clock at five. Pass is intercepted at the goal line by Malcolm Butler. Unreal. Rainbows high and deep into the end zone. And it is caught. Caught. Caught for a touchdown. A leaping touchdown catch. Here he goes. He'll be chased and he is caught. 97 yards. Does he get both feet in right here at the end, Jim? What are they going to roll it? He caught it? Touchdown! He did what? He did what? He runs to the 50. He runs to the 40. The guy is drunk, but there he goes. We are seeing another spectacular effort by Marino, who fires. Touchdown! Oh, that's loose. Allen steps up. Jumps over the defenders to pick up the first. Says a prayer. Welcome in to another episode of Simultaneous Catch, folks. I'm Adam Jeffrey Rossi. Oh. All right. And it starts, Josh, being a you-know-what to me all, all episode today. But we're excited for it. Well, folks, this is the first episode from North Carolina to West Virginia. We're not quite... I was going to say coast-to-coast, coast, but that's so obviously not even close to what that actually means. <laughs> Welcome in to the first episode of Josh and Adam in their new locations. This is weird, man. I mean, it's not our first time having not recorded together. Right, right. Our previous. So, but you just had together. to take this little hiatus because uh, you were deciding to move and stuff. So I know I was working all the time, but yeah, we're we're back. This is why we started early, and we even said it in the first preview episode. We said this is why we're starting early because we always seem to fall off schedule when we're not in season but regardless we're here we're here for the third out of four divisional preview breakdowns we've got the wests today afc and nfc respectively lots to cover lots have happened uh we're gonna start with some rent rave recall though oh yeah what what do you got for me my friend i am gonna go on a rant oh i love josh i love josh lapping rants so i'm going to go on a rant uh, just about everything going on revolving around the players and whether or not they are going to get their COVID-19 vaccines and not so much whether or not they're choosing whether or not to get it. I mean, I'll, I'll vaccine shame a little bit. I definitely think people should be getting it. I mean, why not? This is definitely the time I feel like there's extensive research to go into supporting doing this, it being safe and being effective and helping the country move towards a new normal. Uh, so I'll get off that that soapbox for a second here. And more so about the players acting like they're being uh, hurt if, if they're not doing it. Uh, like DeAndre Hopkins in a deleted tweet said he would question his future in the NFL if teams started being punished for cancellations and whatnot and so well i guess i we should talk about how they're the the nfl came down pretty hard and made pretty strict guidelines saying if there's anything that happens this year in in regards to 
cancellate or in terms of COVID outbreaks and whatnot, that they're they're not going to mess around this year the way they did last year. Last year, I feel like we we obviously saw the NFL, in my opinion, bent over backwards to to help reschedule games and make things happen. Unless you're a Denver Bronco fan, then you think that your team got really screwed because that was the only game where uh, players didn't get to play. Uh, but they rescheduled something like a dozen games and at one point we had like an NFL game on like every day of the week which was really cool but this year they're they're saying the vaccine is out this this is possible to get through this complete not completely but in a in a more smooth way than last year so if there's something that happens we're not going to mess around you might have to forfeit a game if the game is canceled you're not going to get paid for said game and so players that aren't uh pro vaccine or pro vax however you want to say it uh are coming out and just being total total against it and and just saying and i just think it's it's selfish uh, uh buffalo bill cole beasley we talked about his vaccination standpoint and he's saying that the info is not being it's being withheld from the players and i feel like that's just total bs i feel like there's so much vaccination information uh it's been exhausted uh at least studied and i think it's it's pretty darn safe jalen ramsey saying that he knows people that have been vaccinated that are still being tested positive and that that that's never been the point it was never that if you get the vaccine you're never going to catch covid it's just it's to minimize uh symptoms it's uh to make spreading more difficult and everything so it's just it's so frustrating i think especially as we're seeing a new wave of the uh of the sickness come out it's just it's so frustrating especially as we're getting back in the season to see these all-star players taking these stands and i feel like just spreading so much misinformation that are going to scare off some people that maybe are still on the fence about it although i feel like if you're on the fence about it at this point you've probably made your decision and that's still in my opinion kind of lame but I, it's just it's so frustrating, especially for a player like DeAndre Hopkins, who we've gone back and forth at some time. Like years ago, I remember us talking about like our favorite wide receivers, and he was on the list. And then like last year or the last couple of years, I was like, he's gotten so cocky and frustrating. He's still a player I really appreciate and respect, and and really like his on. The, but to say like he questions his future in the NFL if this were to happen, like just get out of here. I mean, the NFL has done so much to to go ahead and, and to do these things and to be they they gave their stadiums for vaccination sites and uh, coaches are coming out ron rivera luckily i think ron rivera coming out and being frustrated with his team that actually catapulted a lot of washington players i saw or i read their their number is up over 80 percent since he's come out and did that i know mike zimmer uh with the vikings just uh, all, all of their quarterbacks are out right now and he said he's equally frustrated that's happening and so it's just it's just so frustrating to know that everything that we went through last year and luckily, there was nobody in the NFL that was majorly impacted. Uh, luckily, like I said, they got through relatively unscathed in comparison to to the entire world. But just to 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 not care about what happened, to be like, it doesn't matter, and like I'm gonna complain about if there's some kind of repercussion when there was a solution. That's just it's so frustrating to me, and so. Yeah, I'm just I, I was really bothered by that. Yeah, and I mean you brought up the Minnesota Vikings. Uh 
like they three of their quarterbacks couldn't be there because none of them were vaccinated. They talked about it on, you know, NFL Network, ESPN, and all the sites that you know if you're you can't be deemed a close contact if you're vaccinated. So it showed that Kirk Cousins in that entire quarterback room, except for Browning, was not vaccinated, and it just doesn't at this point doesn't make sense. And I think the because I mean if this were the regular season, then they'd be down to their fourth string quarterback, and that's you know. The, that's that's almost a lot a guaranteed loss sometimes in the NFL, but it's yeah, also just. I mean, we, we the, saw that with sorry, right, we saw that with no, Denver right. last year, and Kendall you know, Hinton. If, if we're if we're okay with that happening, then then that's what it is. But I mean, if if everybody gets wiped out and you can't go or you can't travel or or something like that, the NFL is not gonna be like, all right, well, we'll let you go on Wednesday right. this year again. Right. And I think that's completely fair. I, I'm on the league side I with mean, this 100. percent it's it's a willful ignorance at this point, and you're right. Like I get it. It, it. It'd be different if this is back when you know vaccines were just coming out and things like that, and being able to say like, hey, I don't know enough about this yet, or hey, I don't want to make a decision yet. Th- that's one thing. But we're so far beyond that. This is the most funded, most tested, safest vaccine that's come out in the history of. I was going to say science, but that sounds so dramatic. But it legitimate. <laughs> but it legitimately is. It's the most funded, most tested. Uh, vaccine that that America has ever produced, right? That these companies have ever produced, and people are still saying we don't know enough about it, or we don't know this, or we don't know that. And I, it's just willful ignorance at this point. Like you just truly have made your, like you said, you've made your decision, and you're trying to mask it with these things that some people would understand. I mean, it's just gaslighting different communities now into making them believe that these people are the victims. And it's like, listen, I love Cole Beasley as a player. He's one of my favorite players in the last couple of years because he's just such a tough guy but it's so uh, uh, annoying to watch the ignorance of some of these players and the privilege of some of these players to be like I don't need to do this and you're right I mean I we don't have to belabor the point or beat a dead horse here but legitimately I'm I'm so with you on this it's it's just frustrating because what's going to happen is so many people aren't getting the vaccine and aren't you know, that can, because obviously there are some people with medical conditions that can't, but that's the reason that those of us who can get it so that we protect those people and we stop it from the Delta variant and the new wave coming out. And it's just, it's upsetting. And, you know, the NFL got through last year season in the thick of all of this. So I don't really think there's any danger that, you know, the NFL season gets a, gets stopped at all. The NFL proved that like through come hell or high water, Tuesday night to Wednesday night football, the season's going to get played. They're going to get their money. There's going to be a bottom line. You know what I mean? And it's going to be up to everybody else to do their best. So I hope that, you know, all these kinks get worked out in the preseason so that these players can, you know, get it together and get back on the field. But I'm I'm with you, my friend. Yeah, I mean, the NFL season's going to happen. Uh, I, I will be curious to see. I mean, hopefully – We'll obviously cross our fingers that there isn't any sort of outbreak within a locker room or something, but I I won't be surprised if the NFL does have a heavier hammer this year and they say, Carolina Panthers, you don't have any wide receivers. Well, either you you sign somebody or you guys don't play and you lose that game. And And they said said that that's what the rule is this year. So, you know, you don't want to see it happen, but who knows? Josh Lapping what's, rants, folks. They're they're few uh, and far, they're few and far between, but they're nice when they happen. Uh, <laughs> what uh what do you got over here, my friend? I've got I've got a little recall. It's nothing crazy, but I'm gonna do a recall and it's gonna lead us into our news and notes section. We're gonna discuss this. 
Uh, but I, I've got a, we just did our episode, you know, our, our previous breakdown episode of the Salds, and I did say that we both picked the Colts. I don't know where you stand on this, but obviously Carson Wentz just had uh, foot surgery. He's going to be out five to 12 weeks. So he's going to miss the first portion of the season, and we don't, it could be even longer than that. Uh, I know that you had joked that, you know, it's just happening so the Colts don't have to give up a first round pick to Philly. But legitimately, you know, I'm recalling. I, I just, I don't, I like. I like everything about the Colts. I really love their whole team, but I just don't believe in this slew of backup quarterbacks, whether it be Brett Hutley or well, I'm forgetting his name again. Who's the young quarterback? That Jacob Eason, which we know nothing Jacob, about. This could be the next great Jacob superstar Eason. It's true. Jacob Eason. Like, we know nothing about this game. And like, that's fine. And they also drafted Sam Ellinger from uh, Texas and TCU. Uh, they drafted him in this year's draft. So, yeah, I mean, I we just don't know. It's too much of a crapshoot. And, you know, we talk about really liking what the Titans did and, and liking them up. So I'm just going to – I'm going to do a recall right now. And we'll do a – you know, when we do our, <laughs> our – when we do our week one preview episode, we'll give each other a chance to, you know, lock in our division picks for sure. But I'm just – I, I can't in good faith pick the Colts knowing that their starting quarterback that I believed in so much is going to be out for maybe half the season. We don't know how long it's going to take. And the news came out today that Quentin Nelson also has to get surgery. So I just, I really think that, you know, those are just two huge blows to a, to a team and an offense that are, are are pretty rare to be to be overcome. So, yeah, my recall is I'm, I'm going to go with the Titans here. All right, very fair. I totally hear what you're saying. I'm not ready to make that call myself yet. Okay. I think okay. Obviously, obviously, Wentz going down for that's a huge window of time. Obviously, as well. That's it's it's pretty weird to be like five to twelve weeks. I was like, well, damn. Just want to say maybe maybe he'll play in twenty two. Uh, more so than that, though, I really think. Quentin Nelson might be a bigger deal than Carson Wentz if, in the scheme of just For a sure. football team. Obviously, yeah. the quarterback's the most important position, but we're talking about one of the best, if not the best, guards in the NFL. So him going down with the exact same injury and surgery is so bizarre. What, what's in yeah, the water there in Indianapolis? <laughs> that is, It's just really, really strange. Obviously, though, we can't totally bank on them not playing like you said they could in theory miss half a year and i i made the joke about they did that so carson Wentz didn't get the 75 percent of the snaps to make it the right. first round pick and right. whatnot but and i also realized because when i saw that i was like oh my god carson Wentz is out until like week 12 but then i was like we still have like five weeks until the season starts so in theory he could still be back under center for week one. Probably won't happen just because we very rarely see players come back at the very beginning of that kind of window. But in theory, it is possible. So I think it's still yeah. too early. I think we still need to learn a lot about what's going to be happening, especially as preseason progresses and whatnot, about the injury status of Carson Wentz. And I'm, then we'll see. Like you like yeah. you alluded to, I, uh, Jacob Eason, I don't know. I mean, he was a second-round pick, I believe, a couple years ago, right? Yeah, uh, he so was. has a fairly high draft pedigree. He was he performed well in college, so we'll have to see that. I mean, sometimes, you know, I I'm obviously not calling Jacob Eason Tom Brady, but no one thought Tom when when Drew Bledsoe went down there, no one was like, "We're still going to the Super Bowl, gang." Right. But sometimes no, this these are the opportunities, and we'll also have to see if 
I mean, everyone's having fun with the Nick Foles trade rumors, but if <laughs> if Frank Reich, if Carson Wentz is out, if they will make a move, and it doesn't oh need to be God. Nick Foles. I mean, even what if they go back to I don't. I've seen no talk about this, so like this is just a pure hypothetical. But what if they call Miami to get Jacoby Brissett back or, or something along yeah, those lines? Yeah. So, no, and I, I mean, like I get it, I get what you're saying. The biggest thing for me though is, and why I think it's different than just you know, it's still four to five weeks in the season and all this stuff is. I just there's a there, there, he's a new quarterback in a admittedly an older system that he knows but it's still a new team with new weapons that he's never thrown to before and we've talked about it on the episode that he doesn't necessarily have a guy that you know a la his guy this, yeah, yeah a la, like, guy. The, like the Sam Darnold reuniting with Robbie Anderson on a new team he just doesn't have a guy here so he's missing all of this time to be working with new players I just I I don't see him even coming back and being able to overcome that. And that, you know, if he does great, I mean, I love the Colts. I love Carson Wentz and I love Frank Reich. Like I just, I really like this team. It's just, I don't see, I thought it was going to be hotly contested anyway with Tennessee. And, you know, we both agreed that Jacksonville is going to be more competitive this year. It's just hard to see them overcoming Wentz missing, uh, you know, even a couple of games, let alone possibly more. So I get what you're saying. I just, I, I think that, uh, I I you I know that you've you're more the let's wait and see approach guy, and I'm obviously the <laughs> the overreactor most of the time. But I just I just don't see it right now. But hey, obviously it'll be a lot of fun for us preseason crazies to watch uh, some preseason Colts football and see what the different quarterbacks look like because we've never seen Jacob Eason make a throw in the NFL. So. Yeah, like I said, we'll have to see about the quarterback. Right now, for me, it's still the main concern is Quentin Nelson. I mean, you get a quarterback behind that offensive line, you're getting Marlon Mack back, and whether or not you ever thought he was on the cusp of becoming a really great back, they have Jonathan Taylor. So they could have been looking to be more of a ground-and-pound team. They might be looking at it more now, but without that all-star left guard, that's going to be even tougher. Yep, for sure. Well, that was Rent Ryan Recall, and we also got a little news and notes about uh, Carson Wentz. We do want to do a little wrap-up of the Aaron Rodgers drama saga. Obviously, they agreed to new terms. He showed up uh, training camp day one with the uh, office Kevin and his chili t-shirts that everybody went gaga over, and he was ready to go week one. And then all of a sudden, boom, they traded for Randall Cobb, got his guy back. Um Look out Jake Kumaro for a for a fourth or a fifth round pick <laughs> coming up here. Uh, yeah, the drama's over. And I, we talked about this a couple of times. You know, you and I both thought that it was a little bit much ado about nothing, that eventually he would show up, and he did. And it looks like, I mean, I don't know about you, but my opinion on this, and we don't have to spend too much time on this because, again, we've talked about it a couple episodes now. But in my opinion, Green Bay is, the, is such a huge winner here. I mean, obviously, Rodgers... You know, we talked about Rodgers as a drama queen, but he's always cared and respected his teammates and his coaching staff. So we always thought that, you know, he would show up for them. But Green Bay crushes this here. They hold firm. They don't do anything. Obviously, they they traded for Cobb. And the hope is that, you know, if if what Rodgers is saying is true and he's never struck us as a liar before and Green Bay needs to work on some internal issues with communication and respect for players in and out the door you know that putting aside 
in the, in the technical aspect, Green Bay crushes this. They get to get their MVP for another year, uh, you know, be Super Bowl favorites in the NFC along with Tampa Bay, and then likely still get to trade Rodgers for a ransom and move on to the guy that they drafted. I mean, this is like a win-win-win for Green Bay, right? Yeah, I, I mean, I have been pretty adamant this entire time that Aaron Rodgers wasn't going anywhere this year. He was going to be in Green Bay. I I don't know, obviously, and, and Rodgers himself was noncommittal after, after this year and seeing what would happen. I know they did rework some contracts to, to, to leave 22 a little more open-ended, uh, but and we'll obviously have to see what happens uh, moving forward because I think last year Aaron Rodgers, he came out and said, football's finally fun again. And I think that is, I think he really meant that. I think he, it grew stale under McCarthy. I think even as the fans, we knew that. And there were some learning bumps of having a new head coach, but it it really clicked last year. And Green Bay did a pretty good job of retaining their key free agents. Obviously, they didn't get to keep everybody. They lost uh, Corey Lindsey, but they did keep Aaron Jones. And I think that was actually a really important part of probably having Aaron Rodgers uh, give, give a little bit. Um, and obviously Rogers coming back kind of smoothed over some of the talk about Devonte Adams being unhappy yeah. and whatnot. So there, right. there was drama for a hot second there in green Bay. Um, although everything about the Adams drama, I kind of really can't stand because green Bay really holds all the cards of, even if they didn't get a long-term, they have, they could put him on the tag for like three years if they right. wanted to. So right, Devontae Adams, everyone's like, he's going to Oakland. And we're like, calm down. Like what? <laughs> Regardless. Um, yeah. I mean, like I said, I, I expected Rogers to be there. And like you said, we talked about it the, the, the morning after his press conference, like you said, I think there very well could be an issue in Green Bay with their communication and their handling of of their veteran players that have been there and established what they feel like should be mutual respect. And so people already will continue to call Aaron Rodgers a, a drama queen or whatever. I've seen plenty of stuff on Instagram I mean, about I mean, Aaron Rodgers and whatnot. <laughs> but nothing wrong I mean, with that. He's a drama queen. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he always has been. But if if this is a stand that can make a workplace better for future players and make them step back and be like, wow, maybe we do need to self-reflect and do some evaluating, that's not a negative thing in my opinion. No, you're right. You're absolutely right. And and while people will make fun of Rodgers for it, I don't think Rodgers cares about that. No, absolutely not. Like I said, it, we'll have to see next year. Like I think if if Green Bay tanked for whatever reason and they went like four and thirteen, uh, Rodgers might. Which be like, I don't I'm see here. happening. But I also don't see that happening. But let's say that they get to the championship game again and they <laughs> three lose straight and years. They don't, <laughs> they don't go to the Super Bowl. I think even if that happens, that's not like Aaron Rodgers being like, "Well, I want out of here." I think it's going to be. Let's see the things that we had these issues. Let's see if we can really work. Right towards fixing them and if they go to talk to him about free agency or or things if that happens i really can't see aaron Rodgers well, walking away and as, he, soon, as close as two years ago he said he wanted to retire a packer yeah and i don't well, and think that just magically goes away 
and it's just it's not like a Matt Stafford or anything like that where you know the team's bad. I want to be with a winner. Like the Green Bay's been in the title game two straight years. He's talked about how much he loves working with Lafleur and you know his teammates that he does have. It's just he named names. He pulled out a list and said you cut all these guys. And I and he even mentioned I get it. It's a business, but like some of these guys weren't even had a conversation with or thanked for their time and their effort. You know what I mean? Like he he just talked about how you got rid of guys that I liked and wanted to keep around that I thought were good and even the guys that you got rid of that I understood you were like bye and you just like got rid of them so you're right I mean we won't belabor the point anymore but you're right I think that if they're still a good team I don't think it's a guarantee that Rodgers is out of there but it's also not crazy to be like send them off somewhere else and just get your ransom so we'll see I think Green Bay will be right up in the fold uh, I think that they'll be right there at the end of it again, you know, at the very least the final eight, if not the final four again. So, so we'll see how that goes, but, uh, any more, any more news and notes before we move into the previews? I guess, uh, not necessarily any, any like new kind of news or anything. It's kind of alluding to our indie talk, but I just wanted to get your opinion real quick on, I mean, you sent me a funny TikTok earlier and, and whatnot, excuse <laughs> me. Uh, but what what do you think of all these trade rumors? Because Nick Foles is obviously a third stringer in Chicago right now about how Indy should make a move. And should Nick Foles go to Indianapolis right now? I just, I feel so bad for Wentz if that happens, man. And the funny, obviously, the, the TikTok I sent you was, for those of you who uh, aren't tapping into Josh and I's text messages, uh, I know it's not many of you, but legitimately, it's just the, it? the sound from Breaking Bad of... Jesse going, he can't keep getting away with this about, you know, Wentz losing his job to Nick Foles due to injury or whatnot. But yeah, I mean, it's crazy. And I think that this is just a matter of there's an unproven and an unknown at backup quarterback for Indy right now, obviously with Jacob Eason and they signed Brett Hundley. Uh, I think that also signaled to a lot of people that, you know, they're looking outside to sort of bolster the position. But there were rumors about Andy Dalton as well. Somebody brought up Marcus Mariota, which I thought was kind of fun. But again, I think it's just a matter of now that there's an unknown behind them, there's people talking about making moves. I think that, you know, if there was another team that has a backup quarterback that we know, it would be different. You know, if Josh Allen goes down, you know, Mitchell Trubisky just led his team to the playoffs. Obviously, like they backed into the playoffs, but they signed him for a reason. You know, there's so a guy did there. Well. What? We were never, we were never Trubisky haters. Trubisky no, 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 well. no. But that's what I'm saying. Is my point is that you know, it's just because there's so much unknown in the position. I think that's why the rumors are happening, and everybody loves to be like, you know. Reich and this team had so much magic with with uh, Nick Foles twice in a row. The one won them the Super Bowl, and the other one won them playoff game, and maybe put them to the championship game again. You know, so regardless, I think it's kind of silly. I don't think it really happens. I think they probably roll into the season with Jacob Eason to see what they got and wait for Wentz to come back. I really just don't don't see it happening. Last but not least, what I want to say about news, and this is relatively breaking news, uh, not okay. necessarily great news, but uh, Minnesota Vikings have released their 2020 first-round pick, Jeff Gladney, uh, after he what? was indicted today by uh, a grand jury in Dallas after uh, 
allegedly assaulting a woman. I don't know if it was like a partner or if it was just like somebody on the street, but that's a pretty big deal for uh, a first round pick to just be outright released. Uh, That's huge. He's subject to waivers right now. Uh, but they're saying that if anyone were to pick him up, he'd immediately go on the exempt list. But yeah, especially for a secondary that struggled last year, uh, was hoping to turn that page, but uh, losing Gladney will not will not help with that. Well, that's crazy. I didn't even know that. I mean, was this kind? Excuse me. Was this like known news at all that this was something like this was going to happen? I I didn't even hear. Anything I about I don't this. believe so. I haven't I haven't heard about this either. That this story broke roughly uh, an hour ago uh, about being released and whatnot. So obviously we don't need to go into the legal aspect. We know nothing about it. But right. just from a football standpoint, wow. uh, that that is that is a blow to the Viking secondary. For sure, and for a team that needs help in the secondary. So, uh, obviously, we both talked about liking, you know, the Vikings to be more competitive this year, but that's that's a big blow. Uh, he was a pretty solid solid player, obviously, not too long in the league. But, well, well how fast things change in the NFL, that's for sure. Let's get that into... That is the NFL. <laughs> yeah. Let's get into our divisional breakdown here. We're going with the West today, AFC and NFC. Uh, two of the... I would like there's one division where everybody's going to pick one team and the other division where who knows uh, probably the toughest division in the NFL but let's start with the AFC side uh, Chiefs Raiders Chargers Broncos AFC West uh, we'll start with the Chiefs the division winner from last year obviously lost the Super Bowl uh, key losses they got rid of half their offensive line if not all of it Eric Fisher Mitchell Schwartz Austin Ryder all gone Sammy Watkins gone Brashad Breeland and Damian Williams all found new teams uh, key additions, they overhauled the whole offensive line. They signed Joe Thune to a massive contract, uh, Andrew Wiley, and then the big trade for Orlando Brown and signed him to a massive extension as well. Uh, key draft picks include Nick Bolton, linebacker out of Missouri, Creed Humphrey, the center out of Oklahoma, and Joshua Kando, defense out of Florida State. Those are just a couple of standouts. But, yeah, I mean, we saw what happened in the, in the Super Bowl. Patrick Holmes ran for, I think, about 500 yards, they said, before passes in the game. It was disgusting. He was all over the field. Nope. He made two of the most incredible non-catches in NFL history in the in the Super Bowl, and it was just nuts. Everybody freaked out and saw, you know, the kryptonite to Patrick Mahomes is giving him nothing to work with on the offensive line, and it was, it was bad. So the Chiefs said, nope, we're not doing that completely overhauled the line and now it's a strength for them again and probably one that was much needed after what we saw right yes absolutely absolutely uh so yeah i mean let's uh let's let's talk about some breakout players who we got with all these new additions and subtractions and people in new roles uh, my breakout player is a wide receiver that no one's talking about because everyone's talking about Demarcus Robinson. I feel like that's well-deserved. It makes sense for him to slide up. But I'm really excited to see Byron Pringle this year. <laughs> Six-foot-one Byron Pringle. Uh, he lost some weight over the offseason because he was committed to uh, being in better shape than he already was. He's saying that he wants to return kicks if the team needs him to because he just wants to become involved. Uh, he was Mahomes' most targeted wide receiver during OTAs. Uh, and obviously OTAs, nothing. That means almost nothing. 
but if it's establishing a relationship for obviously a quarterback that's going to look to Tyreek Hill first and then or maybe Travis Kelsey first and then Tyreek Hill I don't know how you want to say that if if there is even a one or a two combination there I feel like they're both probably just ones uh and then you know the number two is 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 an unknown maybe you could even say it was gonna be Clyde Edwards Alaire who knows but Byron Pringle is a player I'm really excited about he's only been targeted 33 times in his career he's turned that into 25 catches so that's a pretty good catch percentage uh, success rate there. I'm really excited to see what this guy can do if he gets some opportunities. Obviously, Kansas City is built all around speed. It seems like everyone is a burner, including Pringle, so he can't necessarily say he has that above anyone else, but he certainly can turn on the Jets, and he's obviously putting in work saying if if they need him to be, he'll just be a kick returner and whatnot, so I'm excited to see what this young man can do. Hey, you know, Byron Pringle, I want to love the, love him because his name's Pringle, you know, if he scores a touchdown, he's going to have another one because you just can't have one with Pringles. But I'm is going that, with... Is that Pringles catchphrase, though? Is it? Pretty sure, I thought it was. Pretty sure that's Lay's. Pretty sure I'm pretty Lays. sure you're wrong. Anyway, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm going with Miko Hardman, man. I think that he, you know, they, they, they got him more involved in the offense, especially in the playoffs. Uh, obviously, in the AFC title game, he had the huge muff that it's you know, lays. By the way, it is well, whatever. <laughs> Pringles, Pringles, get your get your stuff together and steal that slogan because it's a great slogan. Anyway, I could never just have one Pringle. So Nicole Hardman, like I was saying, in the AFC title game, had the huge muff punt, and then Buffalo capitalized on it. They're up 9-0, and then the very next drive, Nicole Hardman blasts off for a 50-plus yard end around, and then also scores. It just, he's electric. He's, you know, almost as fast as Tyreek Hill, which is nuts to talk about. He's got that 4-3 speed, uh, 5-10. He's a, he's a shorter guy. Uh, his first his first year, um, only 26 catches. Last year, 41 catches. So we moved it up. Four touchdowns last season. I just, I really like him to jump into the role of the vacated targets of a Sammy Watkins and some of the other pieces that they left. We both, I think we're both on the same wavelength here because we look at, you know, shifting of stuff and somebody having to step up into the number two. Obviously, we're just picking different people. I just think that McCole Hardman is poised to make a, a bigger impact just because he has that big play potential, and that's what this offense is all about. Although, you know, with your kind of going to your point, um, you know, maybe it is a guy like Pringle who doesn't – I shouldn't say doesn't have big play potential. Obviously, he does, but, you know – fills the role of the guy that just kind of matriculates the ball down the field instead of going for that big play because they have so many big play guys. Uh, but I, I really love McCole Hardman's opportunity here this year. Yeah, no, uh, another great pick. I'm surprised that uh, neither of us went with Robinson, who I feel like a lot of people are yeah, saying is the, I, is the sneaky name. because It's just weird. Like, And I know that Demarcus Robinson is technically going to start the year in the preseason as the number two on the depth chart. But I just, you know, he has these games every now and then that are big. But he just, I feel like he's had so many opportunities to be a number two and hasn't really capitalized. Obviously, they brought in Sammy Watkins because they wanted a better number two. And they've been drafting a receiver every year here trying to find somebody. So, I mean, you know, we could be wrong in Demarcus Robinson for sure. I just, I don't see it for him personally. I don't know. I don't know. I, 
it's 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 uh, just one of those things. Uh, so uh, rookies, obviously, they didn't have a huge rookie draft class, and their big first round pick was swapped for Orlando Brown uh, to sort of fortify that front. But uh, who do you have for a rookie for the Chiefs? Well, before we go there, I just want for anyone that's counting or keeping track, uh, Pringle's two main catchphrases are, "You don't just eat them," and then the second one. This is similar. I feel like maybe this is what you were thinking. Late, it's uh, once you pop, you can't stop. Okay, well, you know what? That's better than bet you can't just have one. Okay, so <laughs> <laughs> so once Byron Pringle goes off, you can't stop. Once him. he pops, he can't. <laughs> he doesn't. He, can't he stop. doesn't stop, man. It's crazy. All right, well, maybe I should switch to Byron Pringle. <laughs> Uh, rookies, I'm going to go with somebody that's pretty low on the list. It's pretty easy answer, but I'm really excited about Creed Humphrey there, who is a second-round pick, like you said, out of Oklahoma. I think as they continue to retool that offensive line, getting uh, Creed Humphrey in there, and I think that will allow Joe Tooney uh, to to play guard or swing, and if maybe if Creed Humphrey isn't uh, ready to slide in right off the bat, then he can obviously be there. But he was one of my very favorite centers in this draft. That obviously wasn't super deep at center, but he was just a really appealing prospect to me. I think Kansas City obviously trading away that first-round pick to get an offensive lineman, to have uh, one of the top interior offensive linemen fall to them in the second, they they gladly turned in that card. I'm really excited to see what Creed Humphrey can do for Pat Mahomes. And, that, and maybe not even for Patrick Mahomes, but to see if we can – uh, really, really establish that running game. Yeah, and I honestly won't spend too much time because I also have Creed Humphrey. I just, uh, I really think that one of my big things for for breakouts and, and, and best rookies and stuff like that is having the opportunity. And we just talked about they overhauled the entire offensive line due to the results of the Super Bowl. So he's going to have opportunity to slide into a role. And I think that, you know, he was a guy that was high on a lot of people's lists and he fell a little bit in the draft and, and they grabbed him. So, yeah, I'm with you on that one. I just I think that he fills a role for them. Let's move into the next team, the Las Vegas Raiders, the most confusing team of the offseason for me, at least. Oh, <laughs> interesting. The, this is the In most confusing way? team. So here's my thing, and that's, this is going to segue into the losses and additions. The The Raiders had one of the best offensive lines in the NFL last year, not just in the way they looked when you watched them every Sunday, but in terms of grading out by every major metric. Then what did they do? They trade Rodney Hudson to the Cardinals for a third rounder. They trade Trent Brown for a pat, to the Pats for a pick swap, and they trade Gabe Jackson to the Seahawks for a fifth rounder. Uh, they obviously also lost Nelson Aguilar and Tack McKinley. Now, additions, they only added one lineman and Lester Cotton a guard. Not a very big name. Other additions they had, though, John Brown, wide receiver, Kenyon Drake, obviously the running back from the Cardinals, Carl Joseph, Willie Sneed, Quinton Jefferson, the big name being Yannick Ngakwe, the pass rusher, and then uh, buying a, 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 a bounce-back gear for Solomon Thomas, the defensive tackle. Now, in the, in the draft, they did get Alex Leatherwood, uh, a lineman at Alabama that we both talked about liking a lot, and then Trevon Merrig. The safety at a TS, or TCU in the second round. It just it is so confusing to me why you take what was so obviously a strength for you last year, ship half of it away, and only kind of address it later. I mean, are there just guys in there? They still have guys like Colton Miller and Richie Incognito, who's somehow still playing in the NFL. Uh, and then you draft Leatherwood, but that doesn't he didn't fully replace 
these guys that were like Pro Bowl guys. Rodney Hudson is considered for a lot of people to be one of, if not the best center in the NFL. I just, it, it's so yeah. confusing to me. I want to like the Raiders so bad. And, you know, we both, I'm a constant defender of the running back position, but you, you, you trade away these guys instead of paying them money and then sign a running back who's going to probably be worse off because your offensive line is worse. Like, I want to like the Raiders and John Gruden and Derek Carr, but I, I just can't do it with what they're doing here. It's confusing to me. It, it, it's been weird since Gruden and Mayock took over for, for that team. It, it has been. And I mean, we'll see. I mean, they have kind of gotten better. I mean, they haven't been awful. I don't know. But, yeah, I hear you. I will say, though, and, and obviously the line graded well, and they're great at pass protecting. And even if I feel like statistics said they did well with run blocking, I, I remember watching Vegas games last year because I had uh, Josh Jacobs on one of my fantasy teams, and it just he had to fight for literally everything, and he got contacted so early. And so I, I'm just really – like I was like, was the offensive line really that good for their running backs? Well, yeah, and I will say I will say Leatherwood is is a mauler. He's that type of type of uh, lineman. But I mean, maybe that is the goal. Maybe they just said, you know what, we're gonna shift here. We're gonna get Leatherwood in here. We're gonna get Cotton in here. We're gonna shift out these guys who are pass protectors and just go full on smash mouth football with Kenyon Drake and Josh Jacobs and whatever. But it's just weird to 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 zig so much when everybody else is zagging and passing in the NFL. Like I said, it's a team that I want to see do well. Uh, I love Derek Carr, I love Mike Mayock, and I love John Gruden. It's just, it just doesn't make sense to me. But uh, who do you have for for a breakout here for the Raiders? So my breakout player is a little bit odd because he came on really really strong his rookie year, then fell off a little bit last year when expectations I think were really high. Uh, I think we're going to see a nice rebound, and that is Max Crosby. Uh, he was obviously picked uh, in the fourth round of the 2019 draft, uh, came on the scene. He had like 10 sacks or something in a limited amount of games uh, his, his rookie year. But last year, when he started all 16 games, he only had seven sacks, which is still a great season. Uh, 14 tackles for a loss, which I think anybody would take that. Uh, but I think a lot of expectations were put on him because of his great play in a limited role as a rookie that it was a little bit unfair uh, and then he kind of became the guy and I think maybe some offensive coordinators or offensive line coaches knew to pay a little more attention to him but I'm really excited to see what Crosby does this year I, I expect him to come out and play really really well so kind of a like I said, it's a it's a weird breakout player, but I feel like a lot of people have kind of been turned off by Cross because he showed so much flash and then cooled down. So they're like, ah, this guy, we know what this guy is, but I think he has so much potential and I think he's going to live up to it. All right. I like that a lot. I like that a lot. Obviously, you talked about Crosby earlier in the season. Uh, yeah, I, I'm going with Henry Ruggs. I don't know if that is considered low-hanging fruit because obviously he was their first-round pick last year, but during our coverage, he was one of those guys who were like, oh, okay, well, Ruggs is going to be the first one off the board. Uh, and obviously the Raiders infamously – oh, my God, I can't speak. <laughs> I'm supposed to be teaching kids and I can't speak English. Damn it. Uh, obviously infamous for going with the physical traits and the athletes, the big, strong guys or those fast guys. 
and obviously Henry Ruggs is just speed. Uh, Tyreek Hill having the 4-2-9 40-yard dash and Henry Ruggs beating that with 4-2-7 and people just going nuts about that. But I just, I really like Henry Ruggs this offseason. He put on a little bit of weight and I like when smaller receivers put on that little extra weight uh, just to sort of withstand the beating and the tackling. Uh, he still had almost 500 yards last season and two touchdowns with a, a huge 72-yarder. I just, I really want to see him involved with the offense and you know Nelson Aguilar departing from this offense who became a, a kind of a go-to guy for for Derek Carr also being a speed guy himself not quite as fast as Henry Ruggs but I think Ruggs can slot right back into that and hopefully have a knock on wood healthy year and and be really good he's one of my favorite targets uh, late rounds uh, for fantasy football because there's got to be a number one and there's got to be a guy other than Darren Waller that catches the ball. And I think uh, Ruggs is going to gonna get that going this year. Yeah, I like that a lot. I don't I don't think that's a low-hanging fruit. I think a lot of people – I maybe this is, this is a wrong opinion, but I think outside of C.D. Lamb last year, a lot of the wide receivers were underwhelming. And I feel like we could see a lot of breakout players from this class of wide well, receivers. Well, Justin Jefferson, too. Oh, yeah. yeah you're, you know, you're absolutely correct on that. Yep. Uh, but, yeah, uh, shifting to speaking of rookies, uh, talking about rookies for this year, I'm going to go with Trayvon Merrick. I, I Obviously, Oakland – sorry. God, i got to do 10 push-ups now. Las Vegas um, kind of shocked everybody going with Leatherwood – when they did, and then, you know, Merrig in the second round, and so many people have said, you know, if they would have swapped those, people would have thought they looked so smart, and it's just kind of funny how <laughs> perception dictates reality sometimes. But I love this kid at TCU, and I think that he's going to match up perfectly with Jonathan Abram, and I think that there could be a fantastic one-two punch in the secondary. And, you know, you mentioned Max Crosby, and they also have Carl Nassib, and, and they still have Cleveland Farrell, another guy that people thought that they reached on, but as a been really good player for the for the Raiders the last couple of years. I think that Vegas's front seven is really solid, and they've needed to help in the secondary. And I think Merrick, along with Jonathan Abram, can be a great safety tandem in the NFL and for this team and kind of help round out their defense. I think the Raider defense is going to be pretty solid this year. Obviously, Gus Bradley coming over and, and incorporating his defense. I think that they can be really solid and, you know, it, it all depends on if they can kind of patchwork together the offensive line and the offense to be a good team. But I, I want to like so much what the Raiders done, and I think that it begins with uh, with the safety play. Yeah, no, it's getting hard to uh, debate with you and call you an idiot on this show when I also went with the second-round pick this year that a lot of people thought should have been the first-round pick. I think you absolutely nailed that. Confusing. I, I do like that. If they just flip that, then they'd be like, oh, that was a great draft. Uh, I will just say one thing. I think I think uh, Merrick brings great, great ball skills. I think he's so smart. Obviously, he has the stature of being a safety at six foot one. Uh, has some good weight on him. Can run around. I'm just going to be really curious though, because you were talking about Jonathan Abrams, who obviously we think could be that back end partner. They also signed Carl Joseph this year though, so they're going to have a stable of three safeties, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. But we'll have to see which one of those guys establishes himself. Probably, I mean, I would assume that Abram is, is is safe. I mean, he's obviously a great safety that's been there for a while. So we'll have to see uh, between Joseph and and Merig, uh, which which one's going to establish himself. But I, I do think that's absolutely the rookie breakout to look for 
from can't believe, the Las can't Vegas believe, Raiders. Can't believe you even want to call me in it. That's kind of crazy. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, um. <laughs> uh, no, absolutely. I also think that there's a a lot of room for him and Merrick and Abram. A lot of them for to kind of rotate up there and be two. And you know, I do think Merrick and Abram can both cover in the slot and a little bit on the outside as well. I think you can have all three of them on the field and be able to rotate a little bit. And Abram is such a uh, such a hammer. He's he's a lot like uh, I, I kind of him akin to to Darnell Savage in Green Bay. The guys just like bruisers and want to like lay down the hammer every tackle. That's obviously why they've been injured a couple of times. But I think that, you know, you can move those guys around a lot. But for sure, I uh, that's the second one we agree on now in this episode. <laughs> um, let's, uh, let's scoot on over to another team. Let's go to the – oh, lost my page here. Let's go to the – Los Angeles Chargers got the right location for this relocated team. Uh, the darling pick for a lot of da- people trying to pick dark horses here in the. In Are the you just AFC. saying that because you said that? I have no one else. <laughs> I feel like a ton of people are talking about the Chargers, but regardless, they key losses include Casey Hayward, Rashawn Jenkins, and Hunter Henry. And then key additions, they snagged Corey Lindsley, aforementioned in the Rogers segment from Green Bay, Matt Filer, and Jared Cook coming over. Their draft, they got the big Rashawn Slater on a Northwestern tackle. Asante Samuel Jr. comes over from Florida State. Josh Palmer, the wide receiver out of Tennessee. Uh, and they grabbed a Trey McKinney tight end out of Georgia that was falling down the board there in the fourth round. Uh, yeah, really like the Chargers offseason. Obviously, Justin Herbert having the best rookie season out of a quarterback that a rookie has ever had. And it's kind of crazy that we had Baker Mayfield who did that and that a couple of years ago. And then all of a sudden, uh, Justin Herbert's doing it. And it was so crazy. We were talking about Herbert and people being so, you know, doubting him coming in. And then, boom, has to start week two out of nowhere because of an incredibly unfortunate Terod Taylor injury. And there he goes, off and running, never looked back. Yeah, I, the Chargers, I have seen a couple of people talk about, but obviously – you know, you're, mm-hmm, you said mm-hmm, that you're not mm-hmm. quite as high on them. So go ahead, call me an idiot. <laughs> I mean, you're definitely, I mean, you're not an idiot, but I <laughs> I just don't see a team. I mean, yes, they have a ton of talent. I do think they had a wonderful offseason. I think they had a really great draft, uh, but I just don't see, I mean, how many games did they win last year? There was a, there was a reason seven? they were a top. Did they win I seven? think there was, a re- there was a reason that they were a top four. 15 pick and i just you feel like you don't see those go to the super bowl the next year why well, don't think they're going Cinderella's. to the super bowl <laughs> well then what that you were like the chargers are my dark horse super bowl team that's I exactly think the what chargers you said can, i think the chargers absolutely can be can, can be a playoff team and win a playoff game or two once you're in the playoffs it's kind of a crapshoot no? i feel like i feel like saying that a team that won seven games that has added a lot of great talent to make it to the playoffs is not saying a dark horse. I okay. feel like saying a dark horse is like the New York Jets are going to the playoffs. Well, the New York Jets why are would, going to the playoffs. No one would expect that. <laughs> Zach Wilson finally signed his deal and he's there. Thank God. That made no sense so. to me. I'm excited. <laughs> Listen, a little tangent here. I'm excited to watch Zach Wilson. I really like, I've, I've, I like, I got past the point. Uh, Adam, of, what? We're talking about the Chargers. 
Yeah, whatever. Okay, so breakout player for me for the Chargers uh, is Zach Wilson. Just kidding. No, breakout player for me for the Chargers. Oh, my God, we're going with it. Oh, yeah, here we go. Are you ready? This is, this is going to be crazy, man. I'm going with Justin the, Herbert, the money badger, Michael Badgley, the kicker. Oh, yeah, <laughs> that's right. Kickers are people, too. So my, Michael Badgley here. Uh, his rookie year was a 93% kicker, set a rookie record for for percentage in kicking. Then his second year, he dropped to 81%. Last year, 82%. So dropping 11% every season. So this year, he's going to be 63%. It's going to be – no, I'm just kidding. No, for real. Wait, uh, the, did, you say, did you read those numbers correctly? Sorry. 93 I feel like you were to, like, to 81 to 72, right? Oh, you said 82. So I was oh, like, he sorry, went up my one. bad. My bad, okay. my bad. No, uh, yeah. So dropped eleven percent every year, and a lot of people were thinking about he'd be cut, that there'd be camp battles, but he's looking like he's just going to be the guy. And I don't see how you can't be a great kicker with a nickname like the Money Badger. Uh, re- regardless, his his career long in college was fifty seven, fifty eight yards. In the NFL, it's only fifty three. But I just I really think that this is a team that lost a red zone threat in hunter henry and i think a lot of teams that you know kind of sputter out in their red zone their kickers play well and this was what Uh, they got a better one in jared cook yeah well i don't know about that i don't agree with that but that's regardless uh i think that what's going to happen is this team's not going to score quite as many touchdowns as they did last year and i think that they'll be able to kick a lot of field goals this happened uh in kyler murray's rookie season i Zane Gonzalez was my number one kicker in all of fantasy because I was like, I think this team's going to have a lot of trouble in the red zone and they're going to kick a lot of field goals. I think the Chargers are going to have trouble in the red zone. I think they're going to kick a lot of field goals. And I think Michael Badgley is going to have a really, really solid year as a kicker. And I just thought it might be fun to go with a little bit of an outside-of-the-box breakout. (laughs) I like that. I like that a lot. (laughs) Go ahead. Breakout player, I'm going with wide receiver Tyron Johnson. Uh, he came okay. on last year. He was an undrafted free agent, but he showed a pretty good uh, rapport with Justin Herbert down the stretch uh, as a deep threat. He has really good deep speed, and he tracks the ball really well, which I think is also important. I think he's just more reliable right now than a player like a Jalen Guyton or I forget the wide receiver that they drafted, uh, Josh, Josh Palmer, Palmer, correct? Yep. Uh, yeah, so I think just right now, uh, having the experience with Herbert, and Herbert went to him a, a handful of times, uh, and, and this is also dictating on it just seems like as much as I love, I absolutely love Keenan Allen, you know that, and Mike Williams has a ton of potential as well, but it always seems like they're they're going to miss a game or two, so uh, one of these guys can definitely step up, and I expect it to be Johnson. I, I just think having that experience uh, with Herbert and if he has the opportunity to step into a more consistent role, it could be a really big deal. All right, so we're going to go to rookies now, and I think we're going to fight because I'm bringing oh. up I'm bringing up my favorite rookie running back here, not named Javante Williams. We're going, I'm going Larry Roundtree, sixth round pick out of Missouri. And here's the thing: I don't I think that near the end of the year they were pretty much over the Joshua Kelly thing, and I think that. They snagged Roundtree, who was projected to be like a fourth or fifth round pick, who fell all the way to the end of the sixth round and saw an opportunity for him. I think that, you know, I think that Kelly and Justin Jackson, the other 
running back on the roster are both on the roster bubble here. And I think there's a path for Roundtree to snag a role along with Austin Eckler, who's off. Austin Eckler's the clear number one back. But they need a guy who can kind of be near the red zone and also kind of do some first or second down runs if they so choose that. And Larry Roundtree is a guy who twice in college had 10 plus touchdowns, including his senior year, where he had 14 touchdowns. I think that he can be a red zone threat for them. And I think that he can be a goal line guy early on and snag a role. So go ahead. Tell me I'm, tell me I'm stupid. <laughs> Yeah, no, I I get it. I definitely I I never thought you were stupid for liking Roundtree. I think okay. I debated you on your like totally. I I don't think the Chargers are done with the Joshua Kelly experiment. If you want to experiments in air quotes because that's weird. It's not like they're like we're gonna take this former guard and make him a running back. But I just I I I don't really understand. And you're not the only one that's like Joshua Kelly stinks. And I just feel like it's way too early to to say that. I think he had some good flashes along with some bad games, but I just feel like it's way too early uh, to say that. I definitely think if anyone, I am much more on the Justin Jackson. I feel like he's been around for so long. We've always been like, oh man, like this is it. We're going to see him break out. And he never does. So I definitely could see him being on the roster bubble uh, and letting a round tree become like a, a permanent roster spot instead of maybe a practice squad or something. But I definitely just... Everyone cool down on Joshua Kelly. Man. It's just, and, and I, obviously we talked about it. Like a little bit was, I was burned a little bit on him in fantasy and that's fine. But like talking about real football, his first week one, he had 12 carries, 60 yards and a touchdown. It was a great, and he was like the number one pickup on waivers. Everybody went nuts. Cause it's like, Oh, we have another running back. And then the next week, uh, 23 carries, great, 64 yards, 2.8 yards a carry. And then he only had eight carries the next week. And then he had nine carries for seven yards against Tampa Bay. And 11, 11, the next week, 11 carries, 29 yards. Next week, 12 carries, 29 yards. It's just he struggled to get anything past three three yards a carry the rest of the year, only having one Well, hang more on. So let's <laughs> let's, let's – well, okay, tell me who that touchdown was against. Uh, the In week one? Uh, no, his, you're like he only had one other touchdown all year. A Buffalo, <laughs> and, and we all right, and week like fourteen or fifteen. But it was also so when I, they were down like fourteen points. I will I will say this. I, I I think we if we really break this down because I mean you're absolutely correct. You're you're naming these these stats that are absolutely correct. So week one when everyone's like oh this is going crazy that's the Tyrod Taylor game right. So then yeah, it against was. KC it was the Taylor Justin game, yeah. Je- Justin Herbert comes in and obviously plays really really well. But let's not act like teams aren't stacking the box against this rookie quarterback that we know nothing against these first couple of weeks that he was in the league. Uh, playing, I mean, he he played really really well. But let's not act like defenses play, weren't I mean, prepared for the run, and then said Justin Herbert, you need to beat us. So I think we need to give some little asterisks uh, against uh, having bad yards per carry in the first couple of weeks. And then as you get near the end of the season, obviously he played really, really poorly against the Jets. He only had four carries though. So to say like he played really, really poorly is, I feel like a grain of salt. But I mean, against Buffalo, and obviously you're saying like they were down and they were, but he averaged five yards carry there. A couple of weeks later against the, the Raiders, he had four yards carry. And uh, these are pretty small sample sizes. But just to say like, oh, he stinks. I, just, it's, I think it's- we need to pump the brakes. It feels it definitely feels weird to be dissecting a guy who's only played one year in the NFL. I get it. And like I said, I actually like Joshua Kelly as a player. I, I was on him last year. I just 
I feel like it says a lot about a guy when they go and obviously it's still a sixth round pick. So, you know, that's, that's not nothing crazy, but Kelly was, a, was a fifth round pick. So like they're both flyer guys. Uh, Kelly just, was a fourth round pick. Well, might as well have been a fifth round pick the way he played 23 carries and he can't <laughs> 23 carries and he can't. Well, that's why they fixed yards. their offensive line, isn't it? <laughs> Ridiculous. Anyway, uh, I really like uh, Roundtree's uh, ability. So go ahead. Who do you got? <laughs> uh, I am going with uh, the fourth round tight end you were talking about, Trey McKitty. Trey I'm McKitty, really yeah. Excited about him coming in. I I would put up my dukes to say that I feel like Jared Cook is a better end zone target or weapon than Hunter Henry. I actually Maybe feel like I did a little ago. bit of a deep dive on Hunter Henry, and I feel like he's slightly overrated. Okay, uh, but Trey McKitty, I think he is going to be a great future tight end. Uh, I think he's going to be a really great weapon uh, for Justin Herbert as they continue to grow in the league. So he came in, he's six foot four, almost 250 pounds. And I think he fell in the draft because in Georgia, he was just did did nothing <laughs> he got six <laughs> balls for 108 yards and obviously six balls for 108 yards is, is that's a pretty good average uh and then just one touchdown obviously you can't have a, a multitude of touchdowns if you only catch six balls but if you go back before he was at georgia when he was at florida state from 2017 to 2019 he caught 50 balls for 520 yards and a couple of touchdowns so obviously that's that's just moving the chains that's a little bit over 10 yards a catch and whatnot but that's that's a lot more production I feel like than you'd see than you saw at Georgia and I feel like coming in and you're gonna have Jared Cook this year but he can't play that much longer in my opinion Trey McKitty I think is gonna grow into that role and I'm really excited to see obviously you have the quarterback that we're all expecting to be really great for years to come and I think you have a player that a tight end can be a quarterback's best friend so Trey McKitty fits right into that primo gonna be a, a breakout player to to definitely watch as the years come along yeah and there's absolutely a spot for him that's what we're talking about opportunity meets talent uh and it's a perfect match so so i love that for you uh, uh he was okay, a third let's go. round pick i apologize that's okay i i said fourth round pick earlier you may have just been going off of my mistake so i'll I take responsibility for that anyway let's scoot on over to the denver broncos who was a really really fun bet in vegas for a ton of people when there was the the aaron Rodgers. Uh, d- drama and it seems so sad for a team that everybody is saying is probably going to be at the bottom of the division being like just a quarterback away it's just so crazy how valuable a great quarterback is uh key losses they lost Jarrell casey they released him to free agency defensive tackle aj bouye is gone and then obviously deshaun hamilton injury settlement leaving the team as well uh, additions they got Ronald Darby cornerback Mike Boone running back from Minnesota Kyle Fuller cornerback and obviously the sixth round pick to Carolina for Teddy Wheels Teddy Bridgewater who will be battling it out in camp with Drew Locke to be the starting quarterback uh, big draft Patrick Sertain the second cornerback out of Bama first overall pick Adams favorite running back in the draft Javante Williams out of UNC uh, t- takes on the Denver Broncos uniform then a couple other notables Quinn uh, Miners, a guard out of Wisconsin Whitewater, also the College of. I'm pretty guessed- sure we're saying that. There's like a really weird way to pronounce his name. 
that oh yeah is totally out there i don't know what it is either but we're just i'm just I letting everyone up, know we're saying it wrong because it's it's I, something totally you wouldn't expect i looked up ways to pronounce it and i was like why am i putting this on the show and the reason is because he went to wisconsin whitewater who you guessed it touchdown jesus jake kumaral also went to what? <laughs> and then uh they also is it another, minors is that how you say it though Miners is what I guessed, but it could be wrong. I don't know. Could be I have no It's just, I remember Miners. like hearing Miners. like somebody say it and it was like, that's how you say it. <laughs> I hope it is Miners. I hope you're right. Yeah. Regardless. Uh, yeah. Denver Broncos. Really fascinating team. Fantastic defense. Tons of offensive weapons that I certainly love. I, I just don't have a quarterback right now. Who do we got for a breakout? <laughs> don't they? I just feel like I, I understand everyone saying like they don't have a quarterback and, and whatnot. And like they've already mounted Teddy as the starting quarterback. And Teddy won't turn the ball over. And obviously that was Drew Locke's problem last year. But Drew Locke was a player last year that we all came into the season being like, this kid can be, this can really be the next thing. And obviously that didn't happen. So we pumped the brakes a little bit. But that's a, it's such a what are we doing right now league we say that all the time and so just how many people have turned on drew lock because of one bad secondary or one bad second year in the nfl in which was a strange year obviously had a new offense to learn and wasn't able to do it in the in the covid year it's just kind of crazy to be like they're one good quarterback away is like we don't this is just a team that hang on let's but yeah the broncos are really weird in my opinion because i'm definitely not as down on them as seems to be the popular consensus. All right, well, I'm going to start I'm going to get the ball rolling on breakout player, okay? And it's just because we're talking about it. I'm calling my shot. This is a bold prediction. I'm calling my shot. Drew Locke is the breakout player for the what? Denver Broncos. I am all over this. You just said it, and that's why I'm hopping in right here. You just said everybody's assuming Teddy's the starter. I say no. I say Drew Locke steps up preseason camp and says, this is my team. And I went back and I watched every single throw Drew Locke has ever made in the NFL. And I just, wow, everyone. Yep. I'm not, I'm not even, I'm not, I'm not BSing you right now. I went back and watched (laughs) every Drew Locke throw. I've been alone in my apartment for two straight days with nothing to do. So yes, I went back and watched every single throw Drew Locke has made in the NFL. And I just see a starting NFL quarterback. I just see a guy who can do it. And the biggest thing that that popped out to me last year was dropped passes for Drew Locke last year. They were in the top 10 and dropped passes in the NFL. And not only that, is that, because I also looked at some of the other teams, uh, teams like Pittsburgh are also on that list, and the drops were like, you know, second and 25. Oh, he dropped it, you know, down by 21 points. Like for Drew Locke, these were like key drops on third downs that would have been conversions or in the red zone that would have kept drives going or late in games when they were still in the game to keep the drive going. It was like whenever Drew Locke made a really great throw or a really great play to keep this team in it or to give them the chance to win when they still had it, these guys let him down. And I just I and I'm all over the I like I you know Jerry Judy was my favorite receiver last year didn't have the best season he struggled with some drops as well yeah but I, I'm I'm on him on being a breakout for this season because uh, there's also talks that Court and Sutton is not recovering as quickly as they would have may have liked him to and the breakout from Tim Patrick happened and obviously they still have KJ Hamler or PSU guy but I'm I'm all over the Drew Lock Jerry Judy train this year and I 
think that Drew Locke has a season that makes us go, I think they have their quarterback. And maybe that's just wishful thinking because I really liked Drew Locke. He was one of our favorite quarterbacks coming out of that draft. Uh, we were both on him last year as like a sneaky fantasy option with all the weapons that he had, and it didn't happen. But I think the addition of Javante Williams, uh, the shoring up of this team a little bit, I really think Drew Locke comes out and has a really good year. I, it's a bold prediction, but I believe in it. I like that. No, I definitely, I also feel like I'm leaning more towards Drew Locke than I am Teddy Bridgewater right now. I think he's, it's going to be a fascinating, I feel like we don't truly see too many, too many true quarterback battles in preseason. And we're uh, going to see one. Going to, we're going to see one in Denver this year. But we're going to see a couple. Am, I'm so, listen, I'm so excited for preseason. We're going to see the Saints quarterback battle. We're going to see this quarterback battle. Like there's a couple of quarterback battles. I'm pumped for it. Uh, I, I still am just feeling pretty Jameis has got that one uh, right, down there well. in New Orleans. But <laughs> I already I said that last on the last episode. You did. Uh, so I'm going to go with uh, one of the recipients of your Drew Locke breakouts, one that you didn't mention, which makes me kind of glad, although Jerry Judy is a huge one. I'm going to go with Noah Fant, uh, tight end. He Love did lead Noah Fant. The, he, de- he led the team in receptions last year with 62. I think we could see that number increase this year. Uh, but there there are stories coming out that he sees him, his, ro- his role – evolving a lot this season he said uh he could be out wide he could be in the backfield this year he there he's just looking to continue evolving as a player and he wants to be all over the field if you see a drew lock uh taking the next step i think Noah fans can be a large part of it and i'm just really excited to see what this young guy that came out a couple years ago as the the backup tight end because everyone uh was so excited with tj hongenson in iowa I think Noah Fant uh, could possibly reach a higher plateau a little bit quicker than his his Iowa counterpart. Yeah, and I I I really like that for sure. And obviously, like I said, I just he has so many these guys have so many weapons. And I think the biggest thing for me with the Drew Locke stuff and this one is the Noah Fant of it, obviously, with Jerry Judy and all these other weapons that they have that I mentioned previously. But like we saw Teddy with an offense that's loaded with weapons already. He had it in Carolina. I mean, even though they missed Christian McCaffrey for most of the season, we talked about Mike Davis still having a big season and a really good one. And then he has all these receiving weapons and 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 all this stuff, and he still wasn't able to win games for them. So I just think that they want a guy that's going to roll the dice and go for it and get Noah Fant and these guys involved. So yeah, I mean, I I love Noah Fant and rook and rookie and second year tight ends are notorious. Tight ends a notorious position for not being able to come break out until the second, third year sometimes. And we even saw some guys have late breakouts with the former quarterback turned tight end Logan Thomas for Washington. I just, that's a, I think that's a great pick and I definitely flirted with it. I just, uh, I just, yeah, I don't know. That's a good pick. I like it. What do we got for rookie? Thanks man. Oh, I forgot that I hadn't said that yet. I was like totally going over to the NFC. Uh, (laughs) First of all, I think the Broncos nailed their draft. I really, I think I like they did the a great too. job. Uh, I, let's say his name wrong. I think Quinn Miners is a really easy pick. I think he's uh, going to be a great offensive lineman in the league. Uh, but I really, really like um, uh, Baron Browning, uh, who they selected. I believe he was a third, a fourth round pick, I think, oh, out of Ohio linebacker, State. Right. Yeah. 
Yes, out of Ohio State. I just I I'm really excited. I feel like they still you're talking about their great defense. It's true. I think they have a linebacker position to fill. Maybe he doesn't slide in immediately, but I think he's a really explosive athletic linebacker who I think just didn't show a ton of consistency at Ohio State. If he did, I think he would have been drafted a lot higher. But if he can put those pieces together that he physically has behind a pretty good uh, defensive line uh, to kind of eat that up and let him roam a little bit freely. I think you could definitely be talking about one of the premier linebackers in the league. Love it. Love it. I think it's a great one. Uh, I'm going with my favorite running back, Javante Williams. I won't say too much about him because I obviously waxed uh, poetic about him during the NFL draft, but I just, I love everything about him. When I watched all of his highlights at UNC, obviously he had his, his like one huge breakout year. Uh, but he's still had a solid year the year before, too. And this was just the massive one with the 19 rushing touchdowns, three receiving. So, you know, 22 total touchdowns is nuts. And maybe it's me being a homer being in North Carolina now. But I just uh, – I love Javante Williams and I love the opportunity. I think that Gordon will be involved early on and then Javante will eventually take over. Uh, I think that it'll be a 1A, 1B situation. And I think by the end of the year, Javante will be the 1A and will be really, really valuable for this offense that has so many uh, passing game weapons as well. I I also like Javante Williams. I just am, am really curious to see, obviously, what he made his bread and butter in, uh, in college was broken tackles. He had just a plethora of them. I'm just really curious to see how that translates to the NFL. I don't we've think talked I'm about, not, we've talked about I'm not saying he's going to be yeah. a, a bad back or anything. I definitely not like that's a bust of a second round pick. <laughs> I think he's going to be a, gr- a really promising back, but everyone's just like, and this isn't like an attack of you, but he's like, this is the best back in the league or in this year's <laughs> draft class. Like no, no one's talking about, but I definitely think that stat of those broken tackles will have to see. They're not going to be facing that kind of competition where that no. can happen. That's a great point. That's an absolutely great point. So, that being said, are we? Do we have any surprises for a division pick here? Uh, no, I'm going with the Chiefs. Okay, I'm going to go with the Chiefs too. We don't have to spend too much time on it. It's just they're too good. As much as I think that things will be a little bit more competitive within the division this year, I just think it's they're they're too good. And when you have the best quarterback of the NFL right now, it's hard to beat that. You know, anything else you want to add? <laughs> Uh, I was ready to move on the NFC like 10 minutes ago. <laughs> All right. Well, let's move on to the NFC. <laughs> NFC West, the most, the toughest division in the NFL to pick, to cover, and to look at because they're all good. Uh, they're all fantastic. And even the 49ers, who were pretty bad last year, ended up with a higher pick, mostly just due to injury. They still have a fantastic team that was in the Super Bowl two years ago. So yeah. let's start with the Seattle Seahawks. The division winner, right? Yeah, they won. They ended up winning, right? Yeah. The division winner last year. Uh, key losses, Carlos Hyde, Shaquille Griffin. Uh, Griffin brothers not together anymore. David Moore, Jacob Hollister off to Buffalo. Mikey Ayupati re- retired, and so did Greg Olson as well. Uh, key additions, Gerald Everett, who I know you're pretty high on. Maybe we'll hear about him later. Gabe Jackson, obviously we talked about him, traded over from the Ravens. Uh, Al Woods and Alden Smith, two defensive linemen from the Cowboys coming over. And Pierre Desir, a cornerback, I believe he last played for the Browns. Uh, only had three draft picks, so easy enough to Although just name Alden all. Alden Smith is not there. What? Say Alden Smith is not technically there. 
he's still We're, he's still doing his legal stuff so oh okay good point good point uh the draft picks like i said only had three second round pick Dwayne eskridge wide receiver out of west michigan fourth round pick trey brown uh lineman out of oklahoma and then sixth round pick stone forsyth tackle out of florida wins the award for one of the best names in the draft what do we think about the seahawks man breakout player what do we look at? All right, here we go. Breakout player. Uh, Gerald Everett really could be a great pick there. He is a player I really like. He's not who I'm going to talk about, though. I'm going to go with Puna Ford. Puna Ooh. Ford, everybody. He is well, a, so, well, here's defensive... a rare moment. Here's a rare moment, guys. I don't know who he's talking about. Oh, here we go. Well, get ready, my friend. He is a nose tackle. He's a small guy. He's only 5'11", 310 pounds. So that's like adding like almost double my weight without doubling my size so he is a stout stocky fella that's a fantastic Uh, image in my head right now he this is he's entering his third season but uh obviously nose tackles don't get onto the field very often but when he did he was rated the third best nose tackle in the nfl by pro football focus behind uh tyson alalu and then uh vita vea who obviously uh so many people are saying is one of the best nose tackles so this is a guy that's flying under the radar here last year he had two sacks 39 tackles that's obviously not eye popping but defense uh, nose tackles very rarely do get to do that but i think as he comes into his third year here he's already been being talked about as one of the best nose tackles i think he could take a step here uh for for a defense that is is going through a little bit of a change uh, could definitely get back to being more physical at the front. I think Puna Ford could be one of the guys that is helpful in doing that. I love it. I love it. I love uh, five foot eleven guys who are only like thirty pounds heavier than me. Anyway, <laughs> let's go to my my breakout player. Uh, I don't even know. You said Puma is his name. Puna. It's P O O N A. Puna. P O O N A. That's fantastic. Um. All right, so my breakout player for the Seahawks is Gerald Everett. Uh, he, uh, nice. I know that you talked about you have him on your dynasty team uh, in our diehard dynasty league, and it's this is a kind of a tough pick for me because it's kind of hard to see a guy who had Sean McVay and wasn't able to unlock his talent, uh, but I think that was more a Jared Goff problem than a Sean McVay problem. I really think that uh, being able to come here and play with Russell Wilson – you know, they had opportunities for guys to be up the team because you've got great guys in, on the receiver end in DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. And obviously they took Dwayne Eskridge and they have a good running game with Chris Carson. Uh, hopefully Rashad Penny stays healthy. I know he was a guy that we really liked as well with Carlos Hyde being gone. There's a, there's a number two, excuse me, role to be taken, but I think Jared Everett is just going to get a lot of opportunity this year. And like I said, vacated opportunities, talent to fill the role. He's just a physical specimen, fast, strong, and big. I mean, you don't really – what else do you want in the tight end position? I just think there's a great opportunity for him to fill here. Yeah, no, absolutely. You're absolutely correct. And I think it's just fair because we're technically talking about – an NFC West team still. I don't think necessarily it, it could have certainly been a Jared Goff problem, but I think it could have really been a Tyler Higby problem in a way because I guess That's it kind true. of ties back to That's Goff. That's a very good point. Both are on the field. It's like, who do I go to? And like right now, Jared Everett could just put his stamp on being the number one tight end and be like, I'm nope. the guy. No one's competing with me for the ball, and we could see that turn into results. That's a great point. That's a great point. And I'm going to – 
uh, sort of pivot here to the rookie as well. We mentioned Trey Brown, the tackle out of Oklahoma. Uh, I just think that they kind of added. It was so funny that you know we had a guy in Russell Wilson who also was complaining in the offseason about not wanting to get hit as much and wanting to throw the ball more. And what do they do is they shuffle around coordinators and they add to their offensive line in the draft and free agency. Uh, I just think Trey Brown's going to have a great opportunity to start this year. And I really, really like what he was able to do uh, in, in, in college in Oklahoma. And I think that, like I said, opportunity meets talent. He's right in there and gets the slot in. Yeah, no, uh, a great pick. And obviously, when they have three draft picks, it's kind of hard to pick the necessary right. rookie and whatnot. <laughs> right. So I'm going to go with their second-round pick. Uh, Dwayne Eskridge uh, came out of Western Michigan. I really like him. He's a really versatile uh, young player. He had 121 catches for almost 2,300 yards. Uh, he had 120 ru- ru- yards as a rusher. He returned kicks. And he also played uh, in 2017 and 2019. He played over 150 snaps a, as a defensive back. Uh, so he definitely is is out there and can do a lot of different things. I know right now he's dealing with an injury and working his way back. Uh, he's not necessarily just a Tyler Lockett clone, though, where he's going to be a go-route a go kind of guy. I think he's really going to be able to eat under in his – intermediate routes and so i'm really excited to see what eskridge can do i think he can slot right in there and, and perform pretty well pretty quick off the bat if he can get healthy and he was a guy that that fell in the draft he was sitting at the top of both espn and nfl networks best available board for a while until they swooped in so love love the best available approach for the seahawks let's go to the second place team the the uh sorry <laughs> the los angeles rams Adam Super Bowl pick last year, adding one of Adam's favorite quarterbacks, Matthew Stafford, of a huge trade, multiple first round picks, and Jared Goff involved in this trade. Uh, massive trade. Another key addition involving Deshaun Jackson as well. And they did lose a handful of pieces, including John Johnson and Troy Hill, uh, two safeties. Gerald Everett, we mentioned, went to the Seahawks. Josh Reynolds over to the Titans. Derek Rivers, defensive end. Uh, Malcolm Brown, Michael Brockers, both gone. And of course, the heartbreaking of all heartbreaks. Samson Ibukum, a.k.a. EpiPen, EpiPen. No, longer, no longer a Los Angeles Ram. Uh, they also did get a couple of draft picks, surprisingly. Uh, Tutu Atwell, the Louisville receiver, kind of the do-it-all, the uh, satellite player of the year, if you will. Every year, uh, Mel Kuyper and uh, uh, Tom McShay do like their satellite player of the draft every year, and it's just like the guy who is the most physically gifted in terms of speed, agility, quickness, strength, and all that stuff. Tutu Atwell was their pick this year. I think that Sean Faye is going to have a lot of fun with that guy. Uh, they got Ernest Jones, linebacker, out of South Carolina. And then in the seventh round, a crowd favorite, Jake Funk, running back out of Maryland, who might get an opportunity now with the injury to Cam Akers. The Rams obviously being a favorite right now. How do you feel about the Rams, and who's a breakout for you? Yeah, uh, I have a breakout being safety Jordan Fuller. You were talking about how John Johnson is out of there. He went over to Cleveland. Uh, So last year, Fuller started 12 games and had 60 tackles and three interceptions. I think this is kind of just going to be one of those things where they, they need him to step up. I think we have seen that 
he has shown in flashes. Maybe that won't necessarily pan out, but right now he definitely has the opportunity with Johnson being out there. So we're going from John Johnson to Jordan Fuller. I expect that to be a good thing for safety Jordan Fuller. Yeah, I'm going to go on the offensive side. I'm going to go with Van Jefferson. I talked about Josh Reynolds leaving. So there's going to be a third receiver in here. And I think that with the loss of... Cam Akers, I think they're just going to throw the ball even more in L.A. Uh, last year, he had 31 catches. He only had one touchdown, but in the in the postseason, or he caught a touchdown in the postseason as well. So I think that really late on, later on in the in the year, uh, Van Jefferson really found a little bit of a role for this team and vacated target. So he gets to step in and be that number three guy working in the slot or around. I know I mentioned Deshaun Jackson being signed and Tutu Atwell as well, but honestly, beyond Cooper Cup and Robert Woods, there's a, a role for somebody to step up and be that third target in an offense that I think is going to throw the ball a lot. Uh, Van Jefferson was a second round pick out of Florida last year, uh, six foot one. I think that he's just, I think that he's just a really, really great all around wide receiver, uh, and I think that he could end up being a favorite target for Matt Stafford. No, you're absolutely correct. Even if somebody like Deshaun Jackson wins the three role, which I, which is what I'm leaning towards, there's definitely going to be opportunity there. And I, I'm, I'm going to do my rookie really quick as well. Uh, I mentioned Jake Funk, and I'm going to go with Jake Funk here. And I'm not going to say Jake Funk is a rookie just because, uh, just like, a, oh, he's going to be like Gray's going to be the number one back or anything like that. I don't think anything like that necessarily. I just think that Jake Funk is going to get an opportunity that he probably wouldn't have if Cam Akers didn't go down. He's really a fan favorite. He was a super senior out of Maryland. Uh, didn't have any crazy stats, really. He was just like one of the hardest working players uh, on that team always. And I think that Sean Vey really loves that and appreciates that. And I think he'll get an opportunity to be sort of a H-back, fullback uh, kind of guy and maybe goal line work as well. And I really like the opportunity for him to be a guy that just gets makes this roster and just has like a handful of touchdowns when they get to the goal line because he's a reliable, hardworking guy. Yeah, no, I I like that. We'll definitely have to monitor the Rams and their running back situation to see if anything happens uh, during this preseason. I'm going to go with rookie Ernest Jones that you were talking about. I think he definitely is not one of the flashiest linebackers of this uh, this rookie class, but I think he's definitely certainly not flashy. No, (laughs) it's going to slot in there just because I don't think LA's defense has a lot of flashy linebackers and I think opportunity could just be there. I think going back to how they lost John Johnson, he was the communicator there in that defense. Uh, and Jones brings a lot of that from his time at South Carolina where he was the vocal leader. He called the plays. And I think outside of of maybe Micah Kaiser, who even dealt with injuries last year, I can't really name a a linebacker that I'm like, this guy is just the savior of LA. So I think Ernest Jones definitely could make uh, a name for himself relatively quickly. Fantastic. Well, let's rotate on to the third team in the NFC West, the Arizona Cardinals. Key losses include the loss of longtime Cardinal Patrick Peterson, uh, Hassan Riddick uh, going over to Carolina, Kenyon Drake, obviously we mentioned with the Raiders and Dan Arnold also going to Carolina, the tight end. Big additions, though, to this team. Some big names. 
Uh, we're added J.J. Watt, obviously, joining the team. Malcolm Butler, the Super Bowl hero. Uh, A.J. Green, late career, twilight career. A.J. Green joining the team. Uh, the big Rodney Hudson move. Marcus Golden, Kelvin Beecham, and then, of course, our eerie alum, James Conner, joining that running back room. Uh, big Two big additions in the draft. Xavier Collins, linebacker out of Tulsa, one of your favorite guys in the draft. And Rondell Moore, the Purdue wide receiver who was a darling of a lot of people. So how do you feel about the Cardinals? What are we, what are we looking at for a possible breakout player? Yeah, I'm going to go with the lowest hanging fruit that I feel like I have in quite some time because I'm going to go with Isaiah Simmons. I think obviously okay. we touted him so, so highly last year. And I yeah, think one of my favorite some players. of some of the expectations maybe weren't met quite right off the bat, but I feel like he really came on strong with the second half of the year. In, in my opinion, I think we saw some more reliable uh, coverage from Isaiah Simmons. Uh, obviously, he had that really great interception against Russell Wilson in that great game against the Seahawks and whatnot. And I just feel like as he becomes more comfortable and, and kind of solidifies into, into one spot instead of, remember, the reports out of Cardinals camp last year was they were just moving him all over because that's what he did. He could obviously play so many different positions. I think if he gets settled in, uh, into a linebacker in the in the middle of the defense and just sticks there. We could see some really great things out of Isaiah Simmons this year. Yeah, Isaiah Simmons is one of my favorite players, and we doubted him so many times last year just as a guy that could come on and, and be really, really great for this team. I, I'm going to go with James Conner. I know that a lot of people like Chase Edmonds. Uh, I don't hate Chase Edmonds. Uh, I know that you and I obviously have a personal uh, tie to James Conner because being from Erie and you obviously knew him, you went to high school with him. But I think that not a lot of people remember how good James Conner was to start the season. In one, two, three of his first five games, he went over 100 yards and a touchdown. He had uh, six, or, sorry, five touchdowns in his first seven games. James Conner was playing really great football to start the season. And then he got injured. I mean, that's the story with James Conner. He got banged up and wasn't the same the rest of the year. And that's always the story with James Conner. But he ended up playing in every single game last year. Obviously, like I said, dinged up for a couple of them. Uh, didn't finish another couple of them. But did finish the season with six touchdowns, 700 plus yards, four and a half yards of carry. I just, I really think that this this Arizona Cardinals team needs a little bit extra of a running game and you know we talked about Kyler Murray wanting to be more of a a luxury runner than a necessity runner and obviously he had those 9-10 rushing touchdowns because he always stole Kenyon Drake's one yard touchdowns and maybe I'm tying myself to another running back that I think could get all those goal line touchdowns and Kyler Murray will get them anyway but I don't I don't want to believe in that I want to believe in a world where James Conner gets the opportunity here and crushes it because we I love the guy I love his story and I think that he's a really really great player I think he has a breakout year I like that a lot I like that a lot Certainly somebody for us to root for here on Simultaneous Catch. For my rookie breakout player, I'm going to go with fourth-round pick out of Florida, Marco Williams. He, okay. or, uh, Wilson, Marco Wilson, excuse me. He is a cornerback. Uh, right off the bat, Arizona said he is the steal of the draft, so they're really confident. I think he is just a really smooth, athletic uh, corner. I think he could be really forceful at the point of the catch. But you know what really tipped me over for this? And I just found this out. Uh, so this isn't really what made it tip for me. But as he was drafted, going back to my rant, he was getting his vaccine when his name got called. Hey. So 
Nice. Marco Wilson, fourth round pick. Obviously, Patrick Peterson's gone. They're going to be looking for help at corner. I think he could slide in there. Uh, and so I think he definitely has that opportunity. Love it. Well, I'm not going to spend too much time on mine. It's just your favorite player, and it's Savian Collins. I think it what? was really cool that he fell all the way to the Cardinals, and I think that they needed a role to fill with Hassan Riddick being gone. And this defense, if it just gets a little bit better uh, and the car, the Cardinals can be a threat to win this division. They're that good of a football team. And I know there's questions about the head coach. And I know that, you know, people wonder if Cliff Kings, Kingsbury is the right guy to helm the ship. But Kyler Murray is the real deal. And this offense is fantastic. And with the DeAndre Hopkins and Chase Edmonds and the aforementioned James Conner, they added A.J. Green. They have they added Rondell Moore in the in the draft and they still have Christian Kirk there. I just, and hopefully Larry Fitzgerald comes back and catches a hundred passes so he can break the record. I just, I really think that this is a solid team. And I think that if their defense could be a little bit better, they can push for the division. And I think Xavier Collins has a fantastic year. I like it. All right, let's go to the last but not least team in this division. Let's go to the, San Fran 49ers. Big losses include Kendrick Bourne, wide receiver, Solomon Thomas, the defensive end we mentioned before. Tevin Coleman's off in New York. Uh, I, I wrote I wrote Nariak McKinnon, but obviously I met Jarek McKinnon uh, off to the Chiefs. And then yeah, Richard, Richard Sherman, who hasn't technically signed with somebody yet, but isn't also on the 49ers right now. Kind of a weird situation. Yeah. No, he, he is a free agent. Uh, yeah. Yeah. He, he got into some legal trouble, so I feel like that kind of hurts yeah. some things. And then key additions, Alex Mack, Sans Samson, Abukum, EpiPen joining the 49ers, uh, Tavon Wilson and Wayne Gallman. Obviously, big draft picks include trading up for Trey Lance, the quarterback out of North Dakota State, Aaron Banks, the guard out of Notre Dame, Trey Sermon in the third round, the OSU running back, and then another running back, Elijah Mitchell out of Louisiana, another running back. Uh, I'm just going to go full steam ahead right into my breakout player, and we're going to go to a favorite, and we're going to say EpiPen. I think that oh. I, I, I think that there's actually a, a role to play for Samson Mabukum, the defensive end outside linebacker hybrid I, I think that they I mean they gave him a multi-year deal to be on this team it wasn't just a a flyer on a one-year deal I think that he struggled to find opportunities and reps on a Rams defense that's one of the deepest in the NFL and I think that he gets a shot here on this roster that needs a guy on on the field in this position they gave him a multi-year deal to do it uh he also has a role to play on special teams i think but i think he's going to get way more opportunities to succeed uh and obviously the big highlight play we have memorable of him is that big monday night chiefs rams game where he had that big recovery for a touchdown so i think that he gets an opportunity to really showcase himself in this defense good old epi pen i like that i'm rooting for him still haven't gotten that jersey yet either but it's fine <laughs> I'm going to go with Brandon Ayuk for uh, the breakout player. I think he had a really, really strong season last year. He had almost 750 yards on only 60 catches in only 12 games, so he didn't even play the full season. And I think he was definitely limited by quarterback play last year. If we can get Jimmy G to be back consistently, uh, not healthy, throwing on a bum leg or a bum arm or bum everything, or if it's Trey Lance for whatever reason, because there were a lot of times he was wide open down the field and somebody wouldn't throw the ball. I feel like Trey Lance will make those uh, those throws. So if it's this year or next year, uh, I think that's going to be a really great connection to watch. But I'm really excited for Brandon Ayuk. Well, transferring to rookies. Speaking of Trey Lance, mine's Trey Lance because I don't I don't know if Trey Lance wins the starting job outright, but I think he plays the majority of the season. 
I truly think that there. I truly believe that there will be a point where I Kyle, sorry, Kyle Shanahan, excuse me, looks at it and says our offense is better and more dangerous with a guy like Trey Lance. I know that people keep talking about, you know, hasn't played a lot, is not fully ready, and I also brought up the point on one of our previous episodes that Mac Jones only started one year too. But in Trey Lance's year, 14 rushing touchdowns, over 1,000 yards, 28 touchdowns, no picks, around 3,000 yards passing. I mean, the guy was just sensational, albeit at a lower level of competition. I just think that he perfectly fits what the 49ers want to be. They want to be the, the the hard power run scheme zone team that also takes their shots deep and he's perfect for that he's the perfect guy to run your zone read options your run pass options and then also get that play action deep drop bomb it down the field to guys like Ayuk and Debo Samuel and George Kittle over the middle I just really think there's going to come to a point where and there's a reason they traded up for the guy they realized that they fell one pass short in the Super Bowl with Jimmy G and they thought that they can do better so they traded up to get Lance and I just think the future will start sooner than we believe they're going to look at it and think oh our ceiling is capped at a lower level with Jimmy Garoppolo, but our, we don't know. We can't even see where the ceiling is with a guy like Trey Lance if he plays the way we believe he can. All right, all right. I also went with Trey Sermon, uh, the third-round <laughs> pick out of OSU, six foot, uh, 200 and some change. I think he's a really strong, quick runner. We'll have to see, though, if we can put together that consistency. We didn't see it all his entire college career until he got to OSU. But I think with the injury to Jeff Wilson, we're going to see Sermon out really early uh, in his career. And I feel like he's a really great fit for the Kyle Shanahan system. You were talking about uh, those, that, that running scheme that they have that just everyone can eat. And I feel like Sermon uh, definitely is going to have that opportunity much earlier rather than later. Admittedly, I 1000% um, wrote Trey Sermon and then just deleted Sermon and put Lance. So I'm glad you made that that joke as well because <laughs> I do believe that Trey Sermon gets an opportunity. I still think Raheem Mostert has a great year, uh, but I, I absolutely believe you that they like to have more than one back be viable and get options. And I think that just fits into what they want to do. They grabbed two running backs in the draft for a team that already had running backs that played well. So they're going to have Mostert, Sermon, and Mitchell. And I just think that fits with Trey Lance more than Jimmy Garoppolo. So we'll see what happens. I'm fascinated to hear your division winner here. Yeah, my division winner now has a kind of a bit of a caveat uh, because Ooh. I think it's going to be San Francisco, but that, that is, has nothing to do with Trey Lance. I do not think Ooh. Trey Lance is the starter uh, for Ooh. a prolonged amount of time. And I think if he is, that does not mean they won the division because there are so many great fast defenses that Trey, uh, Trey Lance could come out and do really well. And I think he is going to, he's obviously the future of the the organization but i think if he gets thrown into a rookie this division is so tough with so many fast moving pieces that it's just not going to translate into winning the division but i think jimmy g is here for this year i think kyle shanahan if he didn't want jimmy g if he didn't see jimmy g as a starter would have moved on from him there's a market it could still happen maybe we'll see jimmy g in india i don't happen. know it could still happen uh, but right now, I'm going to go with the 49ers thinking that Jimmy G's the guy. And you're talking about the their their floor with Jimmy. Well, their floor with Jimmy was a, a win in the Super Bowl. If there was, was one pass away pass. from a win, yeah. So, you know, that that's a pretty darn good floor. So, Wow. Ceiling, you know, I, I and listen, the 49ers are a great football team. And it was injury that did them in last year. And they were still pretty competitive. 
but I did not expect you to pick the 49ers. I'm throwing for a loop here. I really yeah, think I just, that- <laughs> I think we're going to get back to, to the Super Bowl year when games against the 49ers were like, oh my God, like I'm terrified to play the 49ers. I think getting those pieces back that they lost, uh, I just, I, I see it translating. I think this is going to be a big year because I think they're a better football team now than they were then. Well, I legitimately think all four of these teams are going to be good this year. And I'm kind of stalling here because I, I like I've I've gone through this so many times and I've picked a different team every day and every iteration that I've done this I picked a different one of these four teams I think it's a crapshoot but I think I have to stay loyal to my guy Matthew Stafford and the Los Angeles Rams I picked them last year they fell one game short with Jared Goff it doesn't make sense to me that they would upgrade so dramatically in my opinion at quarterback and not win the division this year just makes sense for me I think that Sean McVay and and Matt Stafford are a match made in heaven. He's going to get some real easy throws over the middle to Robert Woods and Cooper Cup, and he's going to be able to make those handful of throws that only a couple of other quarterbacks in the NFL can make a game uh, to really push them over the edge. I think the Rams are going to have a fantastic season, and as long as Matt Stafford stays healthy, which I think he will because I think in McVay's system, he's going to avoid taking as many hits as he had to in, in Detroit where he was just throwing everything on his back. And I the loss of Cam Akers really, really hurt this for me uh, because I really yeah. loved Cam Akers coming into the year, and it's hard for me to to say that, but I really think that you know they're going to be able to plug a running back into the system. Daryl Henderson's still a pretty good back. I mentioned Jake Funk having a role. They have Xavier Jones, who was an undrafted rookie that made the team last year, even when they had uh, all those other running backs on the roster. I, just, I, I, I think it's an overall one of the best teams in the NFL. And I didn't even mention how fantastic their defense is in that, in that soliloquy. So, yeah. Yeah, I like it. I definitely, I mean, for me, it is the K-Makers factor. I think that's yeah, a huge it's hard. Goal, so. It's hard. And I can absolutely see that being something that kind of snafus their year. Uh, but Until they sign my... Le'Veon Bell. I honestly, what, who, what was I saying? We were in the our we did we're doing a, a guillotine league and somebody auto picked Le'Veon and I was like we laugh at this right now because he accidentally auto picked him but wait till you know the 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 Rams pick him up and he becomes the number one back in fantasy. <laughs> Regardless, yeah, we go. Josh with the 49ers, Adam went with the Rams, and we both picked the Chiefs. Surprise, surprise. So that ends our third out of four NFL previews. I mean, I'm excited, man. NFL this, this the, week. This week, Thursday night, the Hall of Fame game. This, Dallas this week, Cowboys I'm excited. versus Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, it's going to be great. And I oh, I answered our question that we talked about earlier about how they're doing the preseason because there's only three weeks. Basically, they're just voiding the first weekend. So normally there'd be the Hall of Fame game, and then week one would of the preseason would start after that, and all the games would be that. But it's just the Hall of Fame game, and then this weekend there's no games, and then the following weekend – we have week one of the of the preseason. So uh, very excited for preseason football. Uh, we'll get our fourth out of four uh, previews for the season. We're going to do the Easts. Hopefully have our Cowboy correspondent Mike join us for that one. Talking and about we'll... the injured Dak Prescott. Oh, getting crazy here. Uh... Uh... <laughs> 
uh, we're back at it. We'll probably have a couple more episodes before the season starts, including some bowl predictions, season predictions in terms of like awards, things like that, playoff pictures, and the return of our fantasy our, football our team. Fa- our fantasy football team, and hopefully our first two picks aren't injured this year like last year's Christian McCaffrey and George Kittle were. Uh, we, we still almost we still almost made the playoffs, so I'm proud of us for that. Anything else you got, my friend? Yeah, I just got a quick crushing it real quick. It's kind of a joke, yeah. uh, but a quick crushing it. And uh, obviously, we're all expecting the number one overall pick, Trevor Lawrence, to be the starting quarterback in Jacksonville. But, uh, you know, you just have to give respect out to our, our guy, Gardner Minshew. We've talked about him so often. Uh, and, I, and I loved his quote uh, when he was talking about, he said he hadn't taken a bleep in two weeks because two, number two is not an option for him. So, you know, Gardner, Gardner, you know, you just, you have a way that you make people (laughs) want to root for you. I think you should go to Indy, my friend, because you're not even taking, you're not even taking expletives because number two is not an option. And that's that's pretty Gardner Minshew. Hey, he beat Indy week one last year. So (laughs) (laughs) that was their only win last year. So (laughs) I love it. Fantastic. But thanks for tuning in to Simultaneous Catch, folks. Uh, it's great to be back in action. Hope we'll be back next week or the week after with another preview episode with the Easts. Thanks for listening, everybody, and God bless.